RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Hump Day Pal and Beans. Lots to talk about today, Frank. I have a mis- mishmash of topics. Really? What's happened? Well, yesterday was election day in very many states. Primary day. It was primary day in Florida. It was primary day in New York. Did you mm-hmm. vote? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to say. I, I, I don't. I really don't have anything to say. Anyway. I'm, not in, I'm not in Elise Stefanik's uh, district here. I am completely hopeless. I, I promise you. My district is hopeless. Okay. So Frank is not exercising his constitutionally granted right to vote. Right. um, Because he's hopeless. And in other places, people are, but very few, apparently, because, um, well, I mean, it's not like a popular district, but you know who won in in New York there? Oh. Tina Forte. Now, that's great. I, I reached out to her. I've been trying to reach out to her to get her in studio. Um. Hopefully I get a a response back, but she's running directly up against AOC, right? Yes, she will be running against AOC in the Bronx. And she unfurled her Tina Forte for Congress banner at Yankee Stadium the other night, or someone did anyway. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she's running against AOC. And I just went to look before we started here when I was talking to people on the pre-show to see how many people voted yesterday in that primary. Mm -hmm. Um, The the number just, I, I guess it's, I guess it's normal for that precinct or district. I'm sorry. 2,252 people. That's it. Well, yeah. Remember how many people voted for AOC? Yeah. I didn't know it was just 2,000. I mean, that's because that's a district of over 700,000. I, I, they don't get out to vote. I'm looking at the district right now. It's the, it looks like the Bronx. I don't know what this is. The Bronx and Queens. Yeah. It's the Bronx and Queens. Wow. Most of the yeah. voters, well, actually, eh, somewhat similar-ish. More people voted in the Bronx, where Tina is from, than Queens. 2,000? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, 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 so the, okay. Well, did she have any opposition? Yeah, she did. Uh, Desi Quailer. Quit. Quailer. Quit, quit, I don't know who she is. C-U-E-L-L-A-R. That's her last name. Hmm. And she got... 722 votes and Tina beat her by double. So that guy Montaga is not running anymore. What's his name? His his tag, his username on online is Montaga. You were the one who was kind of trying to help him, right? Ish. Well, no, he, you know, he never, no, no, no. That that was back in, his name was Anthony Pappas. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he, and he was running against her in 2000. 18, I believe the Montaga guy, he's, he's more of a, um, he has a big internet presence, but I, I never got him to. Oh, to I know who things. you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He was, he was big with the turning, uh, the, uh, Candace Owens folks. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I know. I didn't know he got in with them. Yeah, he was, he was, he was like one of their like people, at least hmm. the last I remember on Twitter. So yeah, but no. So then there was also Florida. Florida races yesterday. Um, 
And sadly, I, I have to say, sadly, Laura Loomer lost by like 5,000 votes. Um, and Anthony Sabatini lost, too. Really? Yeah. Now, now Sabatini in a, uh, a district that is primarily that is a traditionally Democrat. Let me see. Or, or did I know these are primaries, so he lost against a Republican. Yeah, but I, I just Anthony Sabatini results. Hold on. Primary. Um, it's sad that those two people lost. It was the seventh congressional district. You know what? This is BS. Corey Mills won. Um, I don't know anything really about the district he's in. Corey Mills was a defense contractor, an army veteran. District seven is the seat. Stephanie Murphy, a Democrat, is vacating. So it says the district was redrawn to include more Republican areas of Orange and Volusia counties and had a slight Democrat lean under Murphy, but now tilts slightly Republican. Mm. Okay, so what do you think did it for Sabatini? Was his was it his um, absolutism on getting rid of the FBI? I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know. And it's I don't know. I wish I could see the actual like results results to see. I have to find them. I, I wasn't that interested in this with everything else going on. But he 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 didn't do it. And I, I liked him. I've met him. He seems like a great guy. He's very absolutist about everything. Actually, maybe that's what did it is that it's you know, he's very he's very sure of what he wants and what he what he demands or wants for mm. his constituents. Um, and he doesn't waver very much from that. And I guess that's just too much for some middle of the road folks down there. I don't know. But yeah. Who knows? yeah. However, there was. Oh, here it is. Let's see. There was very good news coming out of Florida yesterday too, Frank, where it, where it will really tickle your fancy. Great. School boards. Oh, I saw this. Yeah, I saw several several big school boards went uh, went into control of more conservative uh, boards. Yeah, it was Bay Brevard uh, or yeah Brevard Clay Duval Flager Hernando Hillsborough Martin Miami Dade Okaloosa Polk Putnam and Sarasota all went Republican on the school boards. That's uh, hopefully they can hold on to it for a couple of generations and they actually do something <laughs> worthwhile. You know, it's funny because. That's what really matters right now, honestly, like not not that obviously the the House of Representatives doesn't matter. But the fact that on such a hyper, hyper local level, school boards are changing so drastically, given what we've learned and knowing what's coming out this week uh, on the 30th from Project Veritas. Also, they have a whole series on what Um, they're calling it. Hold on. Let me find it. They're doing like a whole series behind the scenes that they got on education in America, and they're calling it the secret curriculum. It drops the first one drops on 830. So they've got some people somewhere saying something that everybody wants to know about. And you know who else is running for school board that we're going to get to see this weekend? Who? Nurse Sarah. Oh, really? She is busting it up there in North Carolina. That's great. Serious, serious race up there. Like they don't they don't take it lightly in North Carolina at all. And uh, she's she's been really busting her hump and doing a great job. Um, she made it through the first round. Now, November is going to be like the, the real shebang. And I'm going to be celebrating alongside of her. 
Is so, she anywhere near that uh, North Carolina mayor who just bulldozed another Confederate statue? I don't know. She's in Raleigh, Durham, somewhere in that area. What a loser that guy is. How do you do that? Not on my watch. It's a, yeah, has, has, uh, you're about 150 years late. You want to talk about the watch? 150 years late. It's like when people do, people do this shit. And they, um, it, it's like screen printing the face of Rocky Marciano on a, on a, uh, on a, on a dummy <laughs> and, and uh, p- punching it in the face and saying that you're a uh, heavyweight champion. Complete, <laughs> complete lo- you're a loser. Completely. Not on my watch. Down with the Confederacy. 150 years late, loser. It's, it's, you know, I, I wasn't going to talk about this today, but it was such a brilliant article that came out in American Greatness yesterday. It was called, um, hold on, I, ha- I have to find it. it. It was about, it was a, it was a, it's called Gay versus Trans. Um, increasingly, gays are repudiating what trans activists are doing in their name. Good. And the reason why I'm bringing it up now is because of what you said about being 150 years too late and how like these people are just all like virtue signaling the past as though like they're still in slavery or they're still oppressed or like something. I don't know what their goal is, but this guy writes this column and I'm telling you, like, I'm going to send it to you, Frank, because this is something that you would really, really appreciate. It's well done. And he says, um, At the website of America's largest gay activist organization, you can read the following statement of purpose. The human rights campaign envisions a world where every member of the LGBTQ plus family has the freedom to live their truth without fear and with equality under the law. And then he says, yes, the LGBTQ family. Yeah. And he says years ago. We're all a family. No. It's it's just he he says years ago, gay magazines and organizations routinely conveyed the message that as a gay man, I was part of something called the gay community. And then at some point when I wasn't looking, apparently I was adopted into something called the LGBTQ plus family. I'm part of the straight community. Are you? Yes, I, I have no problems with any straight people because we're all brothers and sisters. Well, the whole point of this column is that he does, and many, many people do, have problems with the trans community. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, I'm, I'm not going to say it. Listen, listen to this. Meaning in the a forced marriage is the title here of this paragraph. Meaning that in the view of the formerly gay and now LGBTQ plus establishment. The leaders of groups like the HRC and GLAAD, editors of magazines like Advocate and Out, and assorted authors and activists and academics, all of them on the far left, gay men like me aren't just chained at the hip to lesbians and bisexuals. We're also intimately lassoed to queers, which can mean anything, to individuals who identify themselves uh, with some newfangled label like non-binary or genderqueer, and yes, to transgender people. This, even though homosexuality and transgenderism are two utterly different phenomena. Yes, you're talking about sexual preference, and you're talking about a cacophony of mental illness. Well, that's what he goes on to say. It's, I mean, they, on average... On average, usually two to three uh, concurrent psychological conditions. It's it, it, I've been telling my gay friends and family for years. You've got to get a, get get away from the tea. If, if you really want to lobby together for one day, if that is really what you just want to do, fine. You want to lobby, then, then, then just just keep the L, the G's, and the B's together. 
you, you got to get away from the tea. It's cr- this column is so good because he says the exact same thing. This author, he he goes through it. It's a little longer, but I was glued to it. It's so well done. I almost want to read the whole thing. Obviously, I won't. Um, I'll put it in the show notes for everybody. But now gays are saying like, I'm going to I think I'm going to go down to the part here where he quotes um, here. Wait a second. Uh, the threat posed by transgenderism to the rights and repute of gay men and lesbians is also the chief focus of a couple of brave, lively YouTubers whom I follow. Um, Ariella Scarcella. Yeah. And Ariel. A, yeah. Ariel. Yeah. And she, and and they talk about um, he talks about how they're they're taking over, basically, or they're trying to um, some of the he says here there was a tweet like campaign where there was a hashtag, hashtag LGB drop the T. And two of the tweets, they're, they're perfect. One of them said, the trans movement is full of satanic grooming, pro-body mutilation dictators. They latched themselves onto our movement and became a parasite to the equality we fought so hard for. They're ungrateful, smug little bastards that need to go. Fight your own battles and leave us out of the whole drag queen story time. SH, you know what? We didn't. And, uh, you know, Ariel, Ariel has a uh, she came. She was, has, has been on a little bit of a journey there, too. I, I've been around for a lot of that. Um, I, I know her. And I remember I went to she once. Uh, it was in 2015. When was when did the uh, the Mets last go to the World Series? 15 or 16? <laughs> I think it was 15. Well, it was the, the weekend of the World Series in New York City. Me and my band, we were playing a gig at um, this this failed convention in um, at the Jacob Jacob Javits Center. It was called uh, it was called like it wasn't VidCon. It was StreamCon NYC. They were just giving it a shot. They wanted to try to do a New York version of VidCon out in Anaheim, but uh, it, it didn't do too well. Not a lot of people were there. But anyway, they asked us to play and we said, sure. So. While we were waiting to go on stage in this this uh, this little section of the Javits Center, Ariel was and we had already known her at that point. Um, she was introducing a, an act and it was supposedly before for children. It was so insanely sexualized. I can tell that she even she was a little uh, nervous about it back then. And then this started because she started going on this uh, this path of of calling this stuff out. And, you know, um, then she started getting labeled by these these crazies as a turf. You know what a turf is? I've seen that so many times. I don't know what it stands for. T.E.R.F. It's called trans exclusionary radical feminist. So she started getting called trans exclusionary feminist, which uh, just only adds fuel to the fire because they just it's it's uh, it's inconceivable for gender confused men that. Women who want to lobby for women's issues don't want to lobby for men who think they're women yeah. and are and are now crowding their space once again in their minds. So, I mean, that's what they were calling J.K. Rowling, yes. trans exclusionary radical feminist. So, I, yeah, the yeah, Ariel's been on a uh, she's been on a, a on a roll. Yeah, I've, I've watched her YouTube channel for quite some time, honestly. Um, and, you know, it's not necessarily all my cup of tea, but she interested no, me. So I was like, whatever, you know what I mean? So. But this column is just so well done. Like he, they basically the end of that quote I was about to um, 
read, it goes like this. Um, gays against, wait, hold on. Here it is. This is the gays against groomers, like coalition that has formed now because they're, they're getting together. First of all, they're disgusted by this entire push to mutilate our children. There was a story out of Florida about a young girl who the school basically indoctrinated to think she had gender dysphoria and was really a boy, tried to kill herself in the bathroom of the school. And then the parents found out that what was going on at school, like they had to notify the parents that this poor young girl tried to kill herself. So then all of it came out about what the school was doing to her, adopting pronouns behind her parents back, all kinds of crazy. Like the father came out tearfully in a hearing and said, like, you almost, you know, basically you almost killed my daughter. Um, We decided on therapy that did not affirm this gender, you know, confusion she had and, and it affirmed her actual gender. And now, like a year later or so, I guess it is, or maybe six to eight months later, she's flourishing. So thank goodness they saved her because these people are insane. So Gays Against Groomers says this. Gays Against Groomers is a coalition of gay people who oppose the recent trend of indoctrinating, sexualizing and medic medicalizing children under the guise of LGBTQIA plus whatever the F that means. This includes that's not in the quote. This includes drag yeah. queen story hours, drag shows involving children, the transitioning and medicate medic medicalization of minors and gender theory being taught in the classroom. The transgender activists backed by school boards, government, woke media and corporations have been speaking on our behalf for far too long. When fighting for equality, our goal was to successfully integrate ourselves into society. But now these radicals aim to restructure it entirely in order to accommodate a fringe minority, as well as seek to indoctrinate children into their ideology. We're saying no. Basically, Mm -hmm. they're saying We just wanted to be able to be accepted in polite society as gay people and be treated exactly the same. That was the original gay rights movement. And you know who's told me this so many times? Brandon. That was the original. That was the original. And and, and, and they wouldn't stop. No, no, no. Because because they are a weaponized group. But then again, um, you have to understand, even from the beginning, I'm sure that there are plenty of gay and lesbian men and women from even from the very beginning, we're talking like Stonewall beginnings of the movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are plenty of gay and lesbian uh, men and women who are who they are for one reason or another, and really just would like to have just been casual about it and not um, not really make it the, the the center focus of everything they do and how every act of going to the grocery store is an act of, you know, uh, political triumph or whatever the hell it is. It's all this nonsense. But you also have to understand that the very root of the organized movement itself is rooted in pedophilia. Yes. You have to you, you have to know that the history of people like Harry Hay. Who who be who who like uh, started Nambla, and this was this was always there. So I I don't know I don't know what it could have been. I don't know how polite society would have evolved uh, at, at all. Um, but they have it was always on the radar. They wanted to take control of. They wanted to secularize religion. They wanted to take control of the the uh, Institute of Marriage. They want the people who are actually driving the organized movement. The same so. way that Black Lives Matter has its nefarious upper. And there's the, the, the regular everyday black person who doesn't realize it. 
and is swept up in the message. It, it, it's every organized leftist movement. And even if they're not swept up in the message, they're going about their lives and there is a corporate, a gigantic corporate entity out there constantly speaking for them, you know? Yep. So it, it's a, it's, 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 yeah, it, that's what creates the situation we're in right now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's what creates, and that goes right down to the censorship. I mean, the gays against groomers, they've been banned. Yeah. They were banned on from Twitter. several platforms. Yep. Can't speak out against that. You know, we need to. And then they banned the word groomer. You can't say that anymore either. It's just so stupid. Like, let's just keep t- it. It's almost like there's a big crack in the dam and they try to plug all the holes, but the dam's going to break anyway. You, they're, they're stretch fracture, stretch, stress fractures everywhere. Say that three times fast. Yeah. And you, you, they're not the school boards flipping are just one instance of it. So. That's where this all came from. But I will definitely put the link to this column in the show notes below. It is super, super well done. Um, let's see. Do you want to jump to quick what's going on with Twitter now that we're talking about banning? Uh, what, what with like the updates with Musk and the trial? Well, it's not even the trial. A, um, a former employee of Twitter, their chief information officer, has stepped forward as a whistleblower and Washington Post published a story with all the things that he was claiming about how users data isn't secure and that there's a ton of bots on the platform and that, you know, they could be sealing like um, they could be easily conducting campaigns to sway elections and this and that. It was just a nightmare of a report for Twitter. I mean, a nightmare to the point where they're like tiptoeing around, not answering any questions because they don't really know all of what this guy has. And Elon Musk subpoenaed the dude already because he's like, oh, that's exactly what I've been saying. This is this is why I'm going to win. And Twitter's getting destroyed. They're just they're going to be destroyed. There, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever. If the Washington Post is writing hit pieces on Twitter. Yeah. then the writings on the wall. Pretty much. So, yeah, there's that. Um, I think I want to move, move on to the health care portion or lack of health care and corruption portion of the show. OK. So, you know, uh, Pfizer, you know that Fauci has been fired or stepped down or resigned or whatever you want to use. What word you want to use? I mean, is he is he really stepped down when he has three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in retirement pensions coming to him? Yeah, I mean, everybody's like speculating over why this is. And it's not a thing that happened alone, Frank. That's the thing. Um I wrote an op-ed the other day because I was so furious about this, but the CDC is reorganizing. You saw this. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, the CDC is reorganizing. They're elevating a division in the Health and Human Services Organization to take like some of the, I guess some of the, the. I guess they want people to trust that now because nobody trusts the CDC and something has to be coming out very soon that's going to destroy these institutions. And it's not, I don't think it's just the fact that Congress is going to be switching. I don't think that's, I think there's just something bigger looming here. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the vaccines are an utter failure and people are starting to really talk about it now. Um, But listen to Fauci. Listen to Fauci. I have the whole clip first on Cavuto and then I have a mashup that somebody did. Here he is. So looking back at some of those decisions, including masks, you were first opposed to them, then you embraced them, uh, the severity of, of the epidemic itself and completely shutting down uh, virtually the entire American economy. 
Do you regret particularly the last one, the shutdown, the sweeping shutdown that some yeah. said made things worse? No, I, I, I don't, uh, Neil. And in fact, I think we need to make sure that your listeners understand I didn't shut down anything. There was a lot of consideration among the White House task force that we were reaching a point where the hospitals, such as in New York City and other places, were being strained to the point of practically being overwhelmed. That's that's such bullshit. Yeah. Um, that's such nonsense, uh, actually. Hold on, let me note my timestamp here. Because they had a floating hospital there that was completely empty. Nobody used it. Remember? And, and, and the Central Park tents. Yes. Yes. So he denies being part of the, sh- of the quote, shutdown. And then we've got this. Another. Do you, do you regret particularly the last one, the shutdown, the sweeping shutdown that some yeah. said made things worse? No, I, I, I don't, uh, Neil. And in fact, I think we need to make sure that your listeners understand I didn't shut down anything. I recommended to the president that we shut the country down. And the only way to do that is by draconian means of essentially shutting down the country. We know that we can do that if we shut down. Well, I think one of the things you really need to do to the extent that you can shut down temporarily the country, I think is important. Well, if I knew at the time that shutting down would have such a dramatic effect on controlling the spread, Obviously, we would have shut down earlier. There are those who say you shut down, you did destructive things by disrupting the economy. And others say, well, if you save so many infections by shutting down, why didn't you shut down two weeks earlier? But I don't regret saying that the only way we could have really stopped the explosion of infection was by essentially, um, I want to say shutting down. I mean, essentially having the physical separation and the kinds of recommendations. It goes on and on. I mean, the man shut down the damn country, okay? He shut down the country. Now he's trying to say he didn't. Uh, did you also see, oh man, I, I think I got rid of all the links. It was related to that. <sighs> Darn. I forgot who even put it, set it aside, but it was, it was a breakdown of the moment. Some people had said that it was a moment caught on tape that where, where Donald Trump was on stage with him and Burks and all those people. It was really early on. Mm-hmm. And the idea of a shutdown was actually being floated. And it was being, it was the way that it was broken down is how this was Donald Trump being caught off guard um, with these announcements that shutdowns and, uh, and, and quarantine mandatory quarantines should be enacted. And you can see him, uh, him, his, I think you can see Donald Trump, like, rolling his eyes or something like that. Like, oh, great. Um, how this was actually foisted upon him in public. So that just like everything else, you're on the defensive, you're responding to something instead of being a part of the actual the actual decision-making process. And now it's up to you to either go along with them or be the person who counters said- Counters the public health specialist. Counters yeah. the public health professional. I Damn, I wish I had- kept it along. I was going to do a spot on it and then 
too much time had gone by. I said, eh, to hell with it. Well, I mean, that's not outside of the realm of possibility, given what Deborah Burks just blatantly admitted in her book. She I mean, she she admitted that she went against what the president wanted, that they doctored things to get their way, that they they engineered this entire thing, which was like a huge focus of my column is like they lied to us about literally everything, everything and, and how they destroyed everything like just and then they stole an election on top of it. Like it, it, it's it's terrible. So Fauci Fauci is stepping down. He was on Maddow. I, I grabbed this clip, too, because I thought I want to piss you off a little bit. Here we go. Criticism, sharp criticism before. It does feel a little different. There is a weird, obsessive, violent, ongoing demonization of you by the right that is hinged on COVID. I just have to ask, if, from what your perspective, violent? is that kind of attention? I don't know. I mean, I've never seen him be the recipient of violence like uh, Rudy Giuliani was when he was in New York and was pushed down by some crazed lunatic on the street. Yeah. What I, I just, I don't understand what violence is anymore. According to these blinky freaks. I, I got to tell you, there was a column that came out, Frank. I think I have a clip that I can play. There was a column that came out by like a, a very unknown to me anyway, um, outlet about what the, what the, this organization called Demcast is doing to like manipulate Twitter and social media. In, yeah, in, I was I read that last time on my show. So I went and I was listening to every one of these videos that they have, every one of the videos that were unlisted and stuff like that, just to see what I could see. And they all talk the same, all of them. I have a clip here. I want to play it for you. It's on two X because that's how I was listening to it. But uh-huh. you can hear exactly what I'm. I I screen grabbed it to to send it to my crew to show them what I was torturing myself with. They all do this. Ready? How how individual tweets are sort of going over what's resonating with with people and and who is it resonating with. So if you look at our pinned tweet, so I recommend that you have a a pinned tweet um, to your profile because that's really the first thing people are going to see when they come to your page or your profile to see who you are. And it's uh, very good to have a video there. Um, Videos get more traction than um, pictures or um, tweets without any sort of um, any sort of visual help. And at the bottom of the tweet, you can see this tweet has had 48 um, responses to it. It's been. Do you hear the upward inflection at the end of every damn sentence? Yep. That is not natural. I don't know. It's a, uh, I don't know. It comes along with everything they do. Why do they do that? I think that there is a certain level of insecurity with everything. And, um, And it's not only it's insecurity being masked by some level of pretending to be an expert. And I think that this is for some reason why how people treat with children like when they when they're talking to them, it's almost like they they want to be easy on them and on, on a subject that they have mastered themselves, but are trying to impart onto a small brain that is still developing. And they I, I guess it's. It's comforting to sometimes up talk to a child so they they feel like they're I don't know, not not being not being so harshly dictated to. I, I don't know, but it's just it's such a common thing with them. It's uh, it's horrendous. Like I and then you, I just I had to listen to hours of this hours of it because I'm doing a lot of research for some stuff that I'm putting together in the background and listening to this woman. And everything she says is up like this and it's for hours and hours and she's a trainer. And so it's like, what the F? Who are you asking? Question. What are you doing? Like, 
Why? Why are you doing this? Sorry. Anyway. I get you. But I stopped the Maddow clip and I don't even think I want to listen to it again. It's terrible. It's just terrible. She's horrible too with her blinky eyes. And then he goes on to say that it's so violent and he's never been subject, you know, science itself personified has never been subject to such horrible treatment before in its entire life. It's just terrible. And uh, so, yeah. So now Fauci's gone in quotes at the end of the year. He'll escape any real scrutiny. They've already sent preservation notices out for, you know, the NIH to preserve their records because there's tons of things going on. Celia Farber had a sub stack out where RFK said a lot of the people around Fauci are also leaving, which leads me to believe that, you know, he won't be subject to going in and testify in front of committee if he's not. Why not? Because if he's not for the government, working for the government anymore. But if he if he was in a if he was in a position of of power and influence for nearly 50 years, especially during the time of an instant or an event in question, why would he not be subject to subpoena in any way, shape, or I don't know how this would protect him. If there was actually an organization, there was actually a group of people who wanted to seek justice and were serious about it, how would this protect him? Well, I mean, if we have a justice department that will go after criminal things the way it should, then that won't. But I think that he can avoid congressional subpoena. Although the J6 folks didn't, didn't really have a leg to stand on, did they? Like all the people hauled in in front of the J6 committee had to come in. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. Um, And then there was this report of a man in Italy who tested positive for monkeypox, COVID and HIV, apparently all at the same time. Damn. All three infections were new and followed a short trip to Spain where this guy apparently had sex with multiple men without a condom. Of course, I was going to say, it sounds like he's been having a good time. The patient, a 36-year-old Italian man, developed a fever, sore throat, fatigue, headache, and an inflammation of the groin area. About nine days after returning from a five-day trip to Spain, the man tested positive for coronavirus three days after the symptoms appeared. And then, oh, oh, vaccinated. I didn't see this. Um, The man also suffered from COVID-19 in January, which came just weeks after being vaccinated. Within hours of testing positive for COVID, a rash appeared on his left arm and blisters spread across his body during the next few days, which prompted him to go to the emergency room. And then he came back positive for monkeypox, COVID and HIV. It says the HIV test showed a high viral load and his preserved CD4 count, along with a negative test less than a year ago, indicates he was recently infected. So in other words, he got the vaccine, destroyed his immune system and then got monkeypox and COVID on top of what I would call what they're saying is, you know, basically vaccine induced HIV. Yeah. I, I makes you wonder which is which. I mean, the monkey pops will speak for itself, but, but damn, I, I still don't know what the, what the, to say COVID is. Yeah. And we've been, we've been talking about that for a long time. Very, very early on people were, were breaking down the, uh, the, diff, the similarities between, HIV with the with the uh, the inserts and yeah that was a very early story so who the hell knows this guy is like a trifecta and he's everything we've been debating I know he is and he's only thirty six years old and they had another report come out today that uh, uh, this is going to really shock and surprise you Frank 
there are breakthrough infections everywhere with the monkeypox vaccine. I know you're stunned. You're stunned. I am stunned. And you want to know, I want to I want to just add that this is another example of just why it doesn't matter what we talk about with the socialization of healthcare costs. We never are actually talking about real health care and and the in the culture that we have, especially in Western Hemisphere or, or Western society, I should say, uh, the culture that we have here of throwing a couple of pills back, taking a couple of shots and then going out and treating your body like a garbage dumpster, thinking that the, the that the, that that big pharma is going to be able to alleviate you from the burdens of responsibility is is a, a big problem here. It's a very big problem. And, I mean, and it goes beyond what we're talking about with monkeypox and COVID and everything else. I mean, I know plenty of diabetics who do not care about really doing anything responsible with their body and their diet because they've got the uh, they've got all their medications. They yeah. can just sauce. They can sauce up and have an extra slice of cake. They don't. They. It, it's. It's. This is our problem. Yeah, I know. I know. And you know, you don't treat your body like a temple. That's for damn sure. People don't. They just don't. Um, I'm, you know, I'm guilty of it myself sometimes. Like I make very conscious choices about what I do with my body, but even I am not, you know what I mean? Even, I think even it's so hard. They've made an environment and getting, getting, getting good, wholesome food in your body. And, you know, we could go on on that forever, but yeah, there are people who just don't care. They just don't care. They treat themselves like a garbage dump and then they get sick and Big Pharma comes in with the pills, so they don't fix anything. 100%. Yep. And then we get ourselves into this cycle where they get sick, uh, things start getting worse, then Big Pharma sees an opportunity, comes along with a new shot, and the shot starts doing damage. And now you're dealing with the, now you're dealing with the damage from uh, leaning so hard on an industry that has very, very, there's very little evidence that it ever existed to actually cure things. Yep. So it's... Yeah, man. And you know, you notice that all of the medications that actually do cure things were were based on natural compounds, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. These are all natural things that were then turned into medicine. Yeah, ivermectin. You know, that's why that's why the um, gin and tonic was so important to uh, in in India for the British because of the quinine. Because of the quinine, yeah, and the tonic water. Yeah. Yep. And. Um, so yeah, you get you get a little tipsy, and also you keep you keep uh, the malaria at bay a little bit. Yeah, you know there were people sending around videos on how to make your own out of orange peels. So just saying, um, there are there are like people out there whose entire exi- like their entire existence is is na- is natural medicine. Like there is something on the planet to cure everything that could happen to a human or whatever. Um, I'm gonna change up a little bit. I had some stuff on the Mar-a-Lago raid and what has come out about that since that the Biden White House basically knew just the news had a report that the White House counsel had instructed the National Archives to act in the way they did and then subsequently followed the investigation forward. So that was all a big lie by Biden. But I don't want to get into that. I want to get into something else election related. Um, three stories that I, that are linked together. Number one. The title, Barack Obama hosting fundraiser for Eric Holder's election worker army. So Breitbart had this story. Um, Eric Holder's very concerned about democracy. Oh, yes, of course. He said 
He spoke about a pressing need to draft a group of poll workers in every state to combat Republicans. You know what he should do? He should give those poll workers uh, trafficked machine guns <laughs> and um, see, see what happens. He's good at that. Um, yeah. He warned that he well here he spoke about a pressing need to draft a group of poll workers in every state to combat Republicans and that his group was focusing on the problem because apparently Republicans working at the polls is a problem now. Um, Holder also warned that teams of Republicans working to prevent voter fraud in the midterm elections would muck up the process and intimidate people, which he argued was a threat to democracy. And he says this, quote, the iteration of this Republican Party just ain't that into democracy, he said, warming, warning that Republican efforts to secure elections would try to, quote, guarantee themselves a positive result in future elections. And he says, in the absence of some kind of countermeasure by those of us who favor democracy, they will take our democracy from us. So, obviously, uh, he's speaking to members of his choir because anybody who's looking at that or listening to that objectively would say, hmm, is this guy talking about democracy when he describes only one outcome as favorable? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, know, uh, you know, he's preaching to the choir or a choir. Yeah, the Barack Obama choir, um, those acolytes. And, you know, the whole thing is just like we we abandoned and did not participate in the process for so freaking long that they just took it over. And that's how they win. That's the only way they can win is by having control of the process. That's not democracy. That's a that's a that's a tyranny. That's tyranny. He knows it. He he terrible. Then. We have another story that came out title false accusations of election fraud prompt some election workers across the U.S. to quit ahead of Election Day. So think about the little tiny, you know, precinct where or or county or whatever, where these people are now being scrutinized in ways that they are not used to being scrutinized in, asked for information that they must comply with providing because it's the law. And they're getting fed up with all the calls from concerned citizens who are angry about stolen elections. And so they quit. And now somebody needs to fill that position. That isn't. And it, like these people are probably like, it isn't worth this isn't worth it. This stress for what I'm getting paid. So listen to how they frame this. And then the next story comes in. After officials in Nye County, Nevada, accepted a pitch from a Republican nominee for secretary of state to stop using voting machines for the general election and move to hand counting, longtime county clerk Sam Merlino decided to walk away from the job she loved because hand counting is just so evil. For for Merlino, a Republican, the move was the last straw, the last straw, as her county continued to be consumed by unsubstantiated conspiracy theories about the 2020 election. This is what drove her out. Yes. And that's it. There's a lot of people who have opinions around me that I just can't stand. I need to leave the entire world. I can't. I can't. I need to. I need to withdraw from the world. There's too many opinions around here. Too many counter opinions that don't jive with me. She has a quote in the article. It was just so disheartening, she says. Yeah, I know. After everybody had put in so much hard work and then to have everybody question what we've been doing for years. I loved working with voters. I was always at a polling place on Election Day. I loved the process. Your process sucks ass. Yep. It sucks. 
That's why she loved the she loved the process because it was a little social club for her and her Democrat friends, and nobody else ever showed up. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved the process of being the only one in the room and may, and uh, ensuring the Democrats won every time. Yeah, it, it's it's terrible. So then it goes on to um, talk about how since the election, states have been seeing a slow exodus of election officials prompted by an unprecedented level of misinformation, harassment and threats, according to election experts and officials. Who are these people? And now they go through and talk about how they can't get their real work done. There's disrespect and disdain. Um, how they're being, you know, attacked verbally and, and questioned. Oh, the horror. Um, and it's a whole article about this. It's just too much. We can't take it. They're all leaving. So what, what do we have to do is we have to be there to take their jobs. That's all. I know. It's a hard job. But someone's going to have to take it. It's a hard job to do things by, you know, by following the law and making sure elections are fair. It's difficult. Um, yep. And then the third story, Frank, this is the best one. The way this is framed is just so good. This use, this is like usually something that Democrats love. This is the title, the election deniers, election deniers go door to door to confront voters after losses. Now, what do you think about when you read that title? Election deniers. Election deniers, a few, what, what, re, repeat the last thing about the election losses. The title is election deniers go door to door to confront door to door. voters after losses. I, it, it sounds like there is a there's a, a mob of crazy, crazy asses with uh, torches and pitchforks. Yes. That are that are trying to, to take well to do Americans out of their homes and <laughs> uh, and berate them. <laughs> With 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 their eyes crossed with anger. That's exactly right. That's exactly what the title says. Here's what the story is. Are you ready? I couldn't believe it when I read this. I'm like, are they really like, what is this all about? Activists whose candidates have been defeated in recent U.S. primary elections have made baseless claims of voter fraud, filed lawsuits to bar certification of the results, staged protests and demanded recounts and audits. Now they're going door to door to challenge individual Voters, anti-abortion activist Mark Geetson has said he believes the 18 point defeat in early August of a ballot measure to ban abortion in Kansas was due to fraudulent voting. A partial recount confirmed the results, but Geetson is now seeking to force a, another recount. Why did that happen? Hmm. Hold on to force another recount. A big ad just took over the entire screen. Um, Geetson acknowledged that the second recount was unlikely to change the outcome, but said it was part of an effort to search for fraud. Are you ready? But now yes. Geetson and his allies will be confronting voters at home in Kansas. They say their goal to find voters who don't live at the address or say they didn't cast a ballot under their name. The practice of door knocking in search of voter fraud is ripe for disastrous problems. So they're basically canvassing to check the rolls. Wow. That's what the story is about. They're canvassing to check the voter rolls, seeing if the people who are actually listed there on the rolls are, are living there. And, and that the story is positioned as though some mob is going and dragging voters out by their hair and beating the living daylights out of them on the corner. Are you kidding me? Election deniers. That's, that's it. Election if you're, deniers. If you're, if you're going up election deniers. If you're going up against election deniers, you <laughs> you are within your right to do whatever you have to. 
<laughs> to uh, to to put that put, to put that rebellion down. I can just imagine this is how the 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 altercation would go or the the ready. Hi, Miss Miss Jones. Hi, I was wondering, is there a Mr. Smith living here? Oh, I'm I'm just doing a canvas to make sure that the voter rolls are correct. No, there's no Mr. Smith living here. Thank you very much. Have a great day. That's the way the altercation would go. Altercation. And, quotes. Then, and, and then they and then they imme- immediately Mrs. Smith calls up the local police. <laughs> I was just harassed. <laughs> the same way that Patrice Cullors said that Candace Owens harassed her tearfully in front of a camera. And then Candace Owens released the actual video where she was just talking to a security guard through a speaker. Yeah. But they would they would they portray it as though it's going to be open up, open up. Did you vote for this abortion bill? You 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 baby murderer. Yeah. That's it. It, it, They have nothing left but these crazy caricature uh, caricaturized interactions. They have nothing left but that reminds me of the PBS story that came out yesterday. Um, Which? which? 72 percent of voters worried about the future of the country because uh, or think that the country is going in the wrong direction because Donald Trump may come back. Oh, oh, okay. That's why. That, that's why uh, there's things are going so terribly wrong on the Joe Biden. It, it's not that Donald Trump has any influence right now. It's just that he he his presence is so dark and he's looming in the horizon that it's it's forcing everybody to commit errors. Everybody's just exactly. terrified. They're terrified, Frank, that that Trump may come back. So that's driving them to say the country's headed in the wrong direction. Basic. These unforced errors. Yeah. Yep. Um, Oh, Anna Paulina Luna won too in Florida. Who's she? She, she, she was a, she's, um, it's a long story, but basically she was attacked last election cycle. There was like a threat against her life and whatever. And she ran again. Um, One of the Republican candidates she was running against last go round, like engineered this big, terrible thing against her. I don't remember the details, but when it happened, it was pretty big. Um, anyway, she won. And uh, well, let's talk quickly about Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, Fetterman and Oz. Okay. I just have to say Oz is not even campaigning. It doesn't seem. Um, and, you know, everybody's kind of like, what are you doing, man? Because Fetterman, after coming back from this like massive medical issue he had with strokes can't even really string a sentence together. He's at five minute long campaign rallies and he's up by seven. What? I, cause I saw him coming back and I know that he was in bad shape and I said, is he, they really couldn't find somebody else to step in in his shoes. He's, this is a stroke damaged person at this point. He's terrible. And he, he's a communist. But he's up. He's, but he's up. up. Yep. Yeah. And you know, everybody in Pennsylvania hates Oz. They just hate him. But and I'm not a proponent of the lesser of two evils either, but you know what you're going to get with Fetterman and it's literally communism. You don't know what you'll get with Oz, but we hope it isn't communism. So I don't understand why. I don't know when the election happens, what's going to happen there. I really don't. Man, man, it's what I was saying. I mean, obviously that doesn't explain why Oz isn't doing anything according to what you're saying. 
No, that doesn't, explain, that doesn't explain inactivity. But as far as appeal, I, I, uh, all my friends from Pennsylvania are like, I don't know anybody who likes Oz. I, they never, they never understood the Donald Trump endorsement. If he's a kingmaker and he can do anything he wants, why, why do you continue to to cohort with people like like Oz? I don't know. He's done it everywhere, and people always fight me with that. But it's true. He's endorsed some bad candidates. Yeah. Especially when you had uh, when you had candidates when we're talking about Pennsylvania in, it, um, in particular, you had candidates out there that had real organic momentum that you could have added to and propel into the stratosphere. I I just um, I don't know. I, I never I never I have quite a few friends in Pennsylvania and people who watch my show from Pennsylvania. So I, I get feedback whenever their state comes up in conversation. And I have not had even one middle of the road Oz supporter. No, but nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. It's just that the decision making is questionable sometimes. Um, also, separately, there was an article that came out in Business Insider. Um, it's called. Well, I don't know what the title of the article is because it's almost like a weird blog. But when I was in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, I spotted a billboard advertising a Donald Trump superstore. My curiosity got the best of me, and I decided to stop in and pay the store a visit. And inside, he was great. He was uh, greeted by people screaming, let's go, Brandon. Um, You have to end. He has like this whole photo blog of the store. And now I I think a a bunch of people were saying that they wanted to go there (laughs) for the extravagance. (laughs) Just go there. And it's just everything in the store is Trump. 2024, Trump this, Trump I, that. I saw that in, um, oh man, I, I saw that in an article recently, the big Trump superstore in Myrtle Beach. Yep. And um, I was thinking about, well, I, I have to go to a Wings or an Eagles when I get down there. And, oh, uh, yeah. And pick up a, uh, I, I, I was going to pick up a couple of beach chairs while I'm there. I'm not packing it. No, that's a pain in the neck, but you can get them anywhere. There's so many stores. Like if anybody's ever been to Myrtle Beach and you're walking down, like there, there's like those. or less, or you can get all kinds of, like, most of the stores all have the same thing, but, like, you can find some really cool stuff in there that you wouldn't get anywhere else if you really shop. And the reason why people are saying they want to go is because last time, somebody brought a Trump cutout to the extravaganza. (laughs) They want another one. It was, they want another Trump cutout. I don't know. So, whatever. But that's it for today, Frank. All right. Um, Friday, you'll be driving. I think Michael Pelka will be joining me Friday for the show. Sweet. Yeah. So you have been listening to the Dark Delight podcast with Update Val and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. I'll be back on Friday, and then it's extravaganza time. Later. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Rory McDonald loses, retires. He did an interview today with Ariel Hawani where basically he said, uh, you know, the time has come to move on to the next phase of my life. And uh, but you know what, Daniel? I don't care what Rory McDonald said. I don't believe that R word in MMA. I know, right? I know.
it's uh it's something that's hard to believe i will say rory does seem like someone who would totally follow through with it holy crap he's 33 years old exactly why are you believing that artwork why are you believing this well dude because i remember him fighting for like a ufc championship 10 years ago all right right. here is the true false yeah rory mcdonald is announced that he is signed with bkfc in the next six months How do you not say true? How do you not say true? Because you know BKFC will throw a crap ton of money out there if he's been released from his PFL contract. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, yeah, I think, I think that he's 33. Like, that is not something I knew until I just looked it up. That, I mean, look, his run in MMA has been super bad lately. Like, holy crap. Like, it is, man, the PFL curse. Oof. We'll see what happens with the, oh. the new signing that we'll talk about later. Dude, but. Look, at, look at all these known fighters. That have Pettis. gone from either the UFC to to the PFL or Bellator to PFL. Yeah, and just the lack of success that they've had. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.